And the time to start, if you're not living your dream, is right now. Start setting goals and setting out where you set in the course of your life and setting it all up so that you get somewhere in the future. When all that comes together, something happens called fulfillment. If you are not experiencing awesomeness in every aspect of your life, it's just from internal block or barrier disconnect that you've chosen to take on. Life is as easy or as hard as we want to make it. And I got my hands and my eyeballs and my heart around any information I could around holistic healing. And that led me down a never-ending rabbit hole of which I'm still spelunking into the depths of. I needed something like ayahuasca to really wake me up because I was very rigid and very stuck in my ways and very structured and controlling. And my first ayahuasca ceremony cracked my ego in a billion pieces. And uh, that's when I believe when you when we really follow our deepest truth, when we really follow our soul, when we really follow our true calling, the universe rises to support us moment to moment to moment. Welcome to the Holistic Health and Human Potential Podcast. I am your host, Ronnie Landis. I'm an international speaker, author of multiple books, an integrative nutritionist, a transformation and embodiment coach, and simply a man who has devoted most of my life to the study, application, and integration of human potential. And it is my biggest inspiration to bring you weekly episodes that will expand your mind, challenge your paradigm, deepen your heart, and help you to embody the greatest version of yourself as I believe you are meant to do something incredible with your life and this podcast exists simply to support you on that journey. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to episode 122 of the Holistic Health and Human Potential Show. And this episode is with my dear friend and colleague, Wade T. Lightheart. And truly an astounding episode we have for you. Um, before that, before we get into that, I just want to invite you, if you want to take a deeper look into the work that I do and put out into the world, you can go to my website, RonnieLandis.net. For more information on my coaching programs, my one-on-one consulting programs, my online courses, my books, and also a lot of free content that I've put out over the years that I've consolidated and made available on my website, including many other podcasts. So the website is RonnieLandis.net. I invite you to go to the website, check it out, and if anything, you know, really just take the benefit of all the incredible free content that over the years I've made available for everybody out there. So definitely want to direct your attention towards that. And now let's dive into this episode with Wade Lightheart. Wade Lightheart is one of the world's foremost experts and leaders in holistic health and nutrition and physical regeneration. And a lot of his work really focuses on healing the gut and the microbiome through a particular type of probiotic therapy and proteolytic enzyme therapy. Now, I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of those two things. Those are both huge focuses of my work and something that I feel like I've been part of championing championing into the world. Um, But we dive so deep into those those aspects in this interview. So I'll save the, the description, the information 
on those two subjects for the interview. We also dive into what it is to develop a championship-like mentality. And Wade's backstory is similar to mine um, in the sense that we were both born and bred athletes and really adopted this winner's attitude. And, you know, we really talk about what it takes to be successful and also not just successful, but what it takes to be grateful no matter what our circumstances are in life, that, that life is a blessing, life is a miracle, and every day and every moment is an opportunity to be grateful for what we do have. And it takes a type of psychology and a mentality to really um, make that a way of life. So this interview was so fantastic. I think you're going to just enjoy it to the nth degree. So let's dive in. Um, enjoy this conversation with me and Wade T. Lightheart. I'm joined today by my good friend and colleague, Wade T. Lightheart, host of the Awesome Health Podcast. He's also a three-time all-natural national bodybuilding champion, advisor to the American Anti-Cancer Institute, and Director of Education at BioOptimizers Nutrition, which is one of the world's most innovative nutritional supplement companies. He's also the author of several books, including the best-selling books, Staying Alive in a Toxic World and The Wealthy Backpacker. The Awesome Health Podcast is a big part of his mission to help others fix their digestion and transform their health with daily practices of positive principles, rituals, and optimizers. Welcome to the show, Wade. Great to be here, Ronnie. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. (laughs) And and I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Um, Some of the audience may know that we did an interview about four years ago for a previous podcast, which is, I think, number two on this podcast. This episode is number 122. So, wow. so we've definitely made some, uh, made some pretty, uh, pretty amazing headway since then. And I've been looking forward to getting you back on the show because so much has happened in those four years in your work and the innovations that you've made. And I'm looking forward to just diving right in. Yeah, well, great too. Oh, we, we always have great conversations, so it's uh, nice to have one over the air, I guess, since we have someone off air. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, and it's funny, you know, when we have our conversations, sometimes I'm like, wow, I wish that was recorded. So this is great. <laughs> so the place that I'd like to start um, is uh, let's just catch everybody up. You know, what talk about a little bit about your background because you have an extensive background, obviously, in the bio I just read. I mean, you have been in so you've been so many different um focuses and focuses of mastery in your life and also in the the bodybuilding world and the health and nutrition world so let's just catch everybody up just like a little bit about your backstory and how you got into the work you do uh, thanks for asking I, real quick i'll try to make a long story as short as possible um you know grew up in Canada, uh, you know, played hockey like every other kid, and then you know had a what I call the life changing experience in 
you know, I believe that life is not so much about what happens to you, but how you respond to what happens to you. Because we all know stories of people who've gone through tragedy and, and went on to leverage that and become amazing. And other people who've gone off and taken tragedy and became victims of it. So I want to be clear here that I don't feel that I've been a victim of any of my circumstances. Uh, all humans, nobody gets out of this planet alive. So, uh, <laughs> you know, the bottom line is we all are going to experience tragedy, difficulty and stuff. It's how, how you use that. Um, to raise up as a person, as a human. And that's that's really the inspirational component I think that everybody can relate to as a human. And I think in today's world, we don't necessarily... It's kind of become popular to be the biggest victim in the world, and I don't want to ever project myself as that. I think um, I, I love the circumstances of my life as invitations from God to step up into a higher higher version of myself and so that's going to be the context of anything that i tell you some people say oh that's a sad story or whatever no that's not what it is it was the the challenge that came from divinity to say hey man let's get you on track let's get you to level up whatever it happens to be so um yeah i grew up in canada when i so the the life-changing moment happened when i was 15 three things happened my parents moved to a very rural place that gave me a lot of time to reflect uh, I was five miles to my ne- nearest neighbor in pristine, you know, northern hemisphere wooded with a giant lake, 500 acres, and five miles to my nearest neighbor, which sounds like a perfect place to hang out. But when you're 15, that really sucks because you're away from your friends and you got to take an hour and a half each day on the bus to get to the school, or you got to take a snowmobile out to the bus because the bus can't get you because you live so far in the woods and they can't get there, and just, you know, that sort of stuff, right? So it gave me a lot of time to think, a lot of time to reflect, and a lot of time for time for introspection, and that became a great tool for me later on in life. Um, and concordantly at that time, my sister, who was four years my senior, was diagnosed with cancer. And I watched her for four years go through the medical model, um, you know, with heroic efforts from my family and, you know, the doctors and all these sort of things. And, and I watched her progressively decline until she died, which had a very powerful impact on me. And what that was is most of us aren't exposed at a young age to maybe somebody uh, dying, especially my sister was an athlete herself and very physically vital. And so what that impressed upon me was that, oh, life isn't a guarantee. Health isn't a guarantee. And before she passed, actually, when she first got diagnosed, she had given me a bodybuilding magazine. So it was the third thing that happened. So she gave me the bodybuilding magazine, and I saw these pictures of Troy Zuclado, who had just won Mr. California, with two gorgeous women on the cover. And I was like, wow, I guess you need these muscles to get that girl. And those girls, and being driven mad with testosterone, I thought I needed to start working out and build some muscles. And um, the funny the funny part is, is there was no gyms or anything, so I, I took a job and saved up my money and started building a gym in my barn with saw horses and pulleys and a, and a York barbell set and some very crude equipment from tractor tires and, you know, two wheelers placed strategically and uh, all sorts of interesting things that I started to build. And I started to begin my journey of training later led to exercise physiology study at the university of New Brunswick, which gave me a good background in the sciences of how the body works, but was very incomplete. It was very compartmentalized. And so it was a whole bunch of information scattered about, but there was no application point. And at that point, I came to the conclusion that the issue wasn't information. The issue was applied information in in a way that would allow you to achieve some sort of outcome. And the outcome that I wanted to be is I wanted to go to the Mr. Universe contest because that's what Arnold did. And he had become a a virtual mentor, if you would. Mm -hmm. So I started studying 
um, under what I call virtual tutors by reading their books and studying their stuff to achieve that. And and then 16 year later, years later, I had the good fortune of representing my country at the Mr. Universe contest. So I was not a fast learner. I was not necessarily genetically gifted, but I was, you know, I, I was determined and I was willing to learn and I was willing to put in hard work. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you want to achieve greatness in anything, you got to be willing to put in the work. And that was maybe the only skill that I had starting out. I was willing to do whatever it took to, 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 you know, get the goal that I wanted or achieve that. And then uh, that set me up for my biggest failure. <laughs> this is the funny part. So. And what was that biggest failure? Well, and what happened is in, in 2003, I, I, I had to maintain, um, I had to maintain a contest diet for literally 11 months. And normally you would stay on a contest diet for maybe 12, 16, and 20 at the extreme because you get to extremely low body fat levels. And this has nothing to do with health. And I want to be clear about that with people is we often mistake high-performance athletics with health. And really high-performance athletics in any field is about fitness and oftentimes athletes compromise their, their health in order to achieve that outcome or that goal or that team goal. And I think no one would ever think that NFL football is a healthy pursuit. Uh, would you say that a lot of NFL football players have a high level of fitness? You're, you're darn right. They do. You just watch the athleticism of these guys on any given week. So I had made that mistake. I, I'm, I mistook fitness, body fat percentage, cardiovascular capability, um, you know, all those type of things as healthy. And after I competed at the Mr. Universe contest, you know, uh, I gained 42 pounds of fat and water in 11 weeks. I went from Mr. Universe to Mr. Marshmallow. <laughs> and uh, I was like, wow, you know, it was like a, a smack to the head. I've worked my whole life to get to this goal. I'm, I've got, you know, all the accolades. I got the best coach in the world doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. And all of a sudden, I'm now in my work, my lowest uh, physical space, my lowest health space, and my my lowest cosmetic appeal. Because let's face it, a lot of people want to look good as well. And but that led to discovery. I said, well, I need to find out what it is that I want to do. And I met a mentor by the name of Dr. Michael O'Brien, who is a legend in the field, who influenced a lot of the great influencers that we have out there today in the holistic health world. And he told me something that really stuck with me. And he said to you, Wade, uh, you've learned to build the body from the outside in. You haven't learned to build the body from the inside out. And that just hit me like a ton of bricks. And so I mentored under him. I started with rebuilding my digestion, refeeding my cells with the things that they needed. And no, that wasn't more protein. <laughs> and uh, started really cultivating what, what truly holistic health and holistic high performance, if you will. Healthy high performance is what I coined it as. Um, and over the course of – I was able to regain my health in six months and I was able to optimize that over the course of four years. Go back to a world championships, uh, do better than I did before and not have the recoil. Uh, in other words, I felt great. I looked great. And uh, more importantly, my, you know, my brain was functioning, my heart was functioning, my soul was functioning. At that point, I said, you know what, I can take this to the world. And I started teaching it. And that's been the journey ever since. Mm. Wow. Wow. I, there's so many things in there that just really, um, I just really loved. And I always I, I want to point out, you know, um, the, the first thing that really captured me, and I don't think I've heard you say it this way, but it was so poignant, is that nobody is a victim. 
and none of us get out of life alive. And everything is for us, right? Every single challenge, every single um, kind of um, trial or tribulation that we experience, it's essentially for us to grow, but it's about how we respond to it and how we take it either as a lesson or as a burden, right? Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is you can't, uh, you, you can't victim your way out of a tough situation. And, and, and if you're on this planet, um, you know, you're going to take some shots. You're going to get knocked down. You're going to get laid out sometimes. And some of these shots are really tough. But if you study, you know, the great humans throughout history, across the board, every one of them experienced extreme levels of adversity. And it was the adversity that called them to really discover their greatness. And very few people are motivated by potential. Most people are motivated by extreme pain. And then eventually they start to become addicted to, well, what else could I do? When you overcome those big challenges, what that does is that provides self-confidence to tackle even bigger challenges. And I think in today's world, uh, there's a lot of people out there that have forgotten about this. And, um, Particularly in the, you know, we're, we're talking about health, that we're talking about, I mean, that is the difference between um, success in health and not, is, is, is your ability to handle adversity and, and, and learn from it. Wow, this is so profound. It you know, brings up for me, when I think about from a health perspective, you know, because we live in a society, as you well know and you speak about, you know, where, where cancer rates, heart disease, diabetes, et cetera, et cetera is at a at literally no time in human history. And some of these, these quote-unquote dis-ease syndromes didn't even exist prior to industrial, the Industrial Revolution. And now we're in a world where it's pretty much commonplace, right? And I think it's fascinating from a health perspective, the victim or um, I don't know if hero is the right way, but the, the, the victim kind of um, the, those two sides of the coin. It, I've seen in cases with um, health re- reversal um, and somebody that may have the same condition, the same circumstances, and yet they don't make it, there seems to be a fundamental attitude that is different between those two people. The person that tends to make it is the person that does not take on a victim attitude and the person that, that does, and this is a general statement, of course, but they tend to kind of be playing out the victim a little more. Would you say that that is true when it comes to our state of health and, and healing? Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, you, um, you, you can't, uh, you can't outsmart uh, a poor attitude or a poor mindset. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you can't eat your way out of it. You can't supplement your way out of it. You can't biohack your way out of it. Uh, at the end of the day, you've got to have, you've got to cultivate, uh, you know, the mindset of a champion, uh, the mindset of, of an achiever, the mindset of, of of what's made, what makes humanity great, what gives us the chills when we watch the singer or the TV show or the person that's achieving that goal, or even if it's our kids, watching them overcome an adversity relative to where they are in their development, you see that success that we, we, we as humans, we recognize and honor and charge that yet so much of our conversation uh is about limitation which is a it's a very interesting paradox and now with social media it's it's exploded 
into uh, let's stop identifying ourselves as human. Let's let's identify ourselves as with the most microcosmic special interest group that we possibly can and claim some sort of entitlement to the challenges that we have, that the world owes us something. And uh, the world owes you nothing. <laughs> there's no victims on the, there's no victims in society. There are, I'm not saying that there isn't challenging circumstances and, and things that seem unfair and certainly beyond comprehension, but not on, not, none of them are not overcomable and overcomable does not necessarily mean success in the eyes of the world. It's success, success when you wake up in the morning and look in the mirror. Do I feel that I'm moving forward? Do I feel that I'm giving my best effort? Do I feel I'm, you know, leading a life that inspires the people around me? That's success. Yeah. And that's such, I mean, that's such an important, that may be the most important thing that's said in this interview. We'll see where it goes, but I really feel like for everyone listening and just for myself, I've noticed from a health perspective, again, we know that stress, internal stress, emotional stress, mental neurosis, um, some of the obsessions that we might have about the external world reflecting our own self-value based on what we're worth to the world, um, that creates a cascade of internal conflict, which I believe is the real root cause or source of suffering in, in, in physical disease. And so I just really, I really appreciate you mentioning that because that right there, if we can feel like we're making progress in our own personal life, independent of our, our circumstances or what the world may reflect as or deem as quote unquote success, then that really, yeah, that's so beautiful. Like as long as you can feel that you're making progress in your life, then you are a success. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, with that said, um, where I'd like to take this conversation is, you know, we, we've had a lot of, we've done a lot of interviews, we've had a lot of conversations, and one of the, the things that I love about your work is you focus so much on digestion and from a physiological standpoint, that is the, the crux of the matter when it comes to so many of the, the health issues, as you obviously know. So I'd like to really dive into that area. And I'd like to start it off with talking about the power of enzymes, because I know a lot of people are really into this topic. I've been into it for many years. And um, let's talk about, you know, what, what let's talk about the power of enzymes to start it off. And we'll kind of see where that goes. Sounds great. So, you know, enzymes are these, what I call the bridge between the living and the dead. A stone doesn't necessarily possess enzymes, but a plant or an animal does. And enzymes are catalysts. They are have a, a physiological and a, and a chemical response inside the body. Um, they have very unique properties. Uh, the more you study them, the more bizarre they appear. But there's over 25,000 different enzymatic reactions inside your body. And, you know, of course, Ronnie and I, uh, you and I met uh, in the raw food movement. Yep. And the, the, the primary aspect of the raw food movement is that you're eating food in its whole natural state, and which is an enzyme-rich diet, assuming that the food has enzymes in it. And humans are interesting. 
um, because enzymes are in all living things. So if I'm a tiger and I go out and, you know, I attack a group of zebras and I club one down with my paw and, uh, you know, what does the tiger do? First off, it rips open the, the intestinal tract and consumes that first because that's where the enzymes and probiotics and probiotics are like highly specialized bags of enzymes. And it eats that and then it eats the rest of the carcass. If I'm a horse, I eat I'll go out and eat the the, the, the shoots or a lamb. I'll, I'll go eat the, the sprouts. I'll go eat the one that has the most amount of enzymatic potential inside of it first before I eat anything else. You give a horse dried hay versus fresh, you know, green hay, it'll eat the green hay first because it's more enzyme-rich. And any animal will do that. Now, humans are really interesting. Um they cook all their food and anything, you know, over, uh, you know, the debate is somewhere 114 to 118 degrees. Mm-hmm. Basically, if it's cooked, <laughs> you lose all of the enzymes. And what happens is our bodies have to manufacture enzymes. And they do that by converting smooth and striated muscle inside the body into enzymatic uh, catalysts. And that requires a massive amount of metabolic energy. And while you're doing that you're not able to have your enzymes running other parts of your body, like your brain function. And I'll, I use the example of a turkey dinner syndrome. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's done the Thanksgiving dinner where, you know, you eat the one big meal, it's like the big feast, and you have another plate, and then, you know, grandma breaks out the pie, and you go, oh, my God, I can barely handle it, and you have one slice, and then you have another. And it's like the most ginormous meal that you've ever had. You feed a you know, family for a week on it, and then all of a sudden, everybody in the family starts barreling for the couch, the floor, whatever, and pretty soon, within 10 or 15 minutes, they're passing out, drool running down their face, and you're going, what's going on? Well, the body's ability to produce enzymes is limited and it says uh oh we've got a crisis going on in my body I've got to produce as many enzymes as I possibly can and I'm going to shut down all functions so we just lay out Uncle Louie on the, on, the, on, the, on the floor here because we've got to digest this meal so the medical industry missed the point here the medical industry says well you don't need enzymes because your body actually makes them and that's true but the question is and, and, and the raw food movement missed it because they said, no, oh, no, you can get all the enzymes from the food that you eat if it's in a raw, natural state. But the question is, nobody eats a perfect diet. Um, nobody eats their food in an all-raw state. There's a few people out there that do, and if you investigate deep, deeply, as you know, lots of these people or whatever, they, people aren't as perfect as they want to let on. So, you know, it's that whole self-selected appearance out there that's, you know, now social media has done a really good job of exaggerating. So um, the bottom line is it's virtually impossible to get the kind of enzymes that our diets probably afforded us even just 100 years ago. And that has a lot to do with cultivation of modern farming practices, transportation how live food is, chemicalization, all these sort of things. And yet you have all of these contaminants out there in the world that are robbing you from what Dr. Howell, one of the pioneers of this, uh, he wrote a book called Enzyme Nutrition, calls your enzymatic reserve. Mm -hmm. And your enzymatic reserve, really, to boil it down, means how much chemical reactions you can produce on a daily basis or on an hourly basis or whatever based on the amount of the enzyme pool that you have 
available. So it's like a bank account. How many cars can you buy? How many you know burgers can you buy? How many gas fill-ups can you buy? How many things can you do is directly proportional to the amount of dollars in your bank account. So enzymes are like the financial reserve of your life. When you when you go below a certain level, it's curtains because that's when you start having the failure of various organs or functions inside the body, which is we can be traced back to an enzymatic deficiency or pathway. Absolutely. And and Dr. Edward Howell's work is paramount in this field. I remember getting into that, you know, when I when I first got really deep into researching living foods and nutrition and there were some startling things that he was sharing, you know, like 40, 50 years prior to me even getting into this, maybe more. And one of the things that I'm thinking about now, um, I haven't read that book in a long time, but it's it's something to the effect that one protein, um, one prote- um, proteolytic enzyme, or um, that might be the wrong way of saying it, but to break down a certain amount of protein, it takes something like 12 metabolic enzymes to produce like one proteolytic enzyme. So that, I might be misquoting, I might have to go back to that, but something to the effect that um, the amount of protein and specifically nitrogenous animal-based protein has, and the, the overwhelming amount of it that we've consumed throughout our, our, our lives has created a massive depletion in our, in our metabolic reserves. So we're actually not, at a certain point, people aren't actually able to um, produce the proteolytic enzymes and it gets redistributed to the kidneys, which we do know is the number one cause of kidney disease. I'd like to talk about the, the, the protein aspect of, of this conversation. It's a great, it's a great uh, segue, I think, because, you know, <laughs> the question I get, I've, I've been a plant-based guy for now, 16 years and was able to compete at the highest levels of athleticism uh, in my sport. And people go, where do you get your protein weight? And I ask the same question back to them. I don't necessarily answer. I say, well, where do you get yours? And the first state is, is there's a, there's an assumption that pervades all culture. Uh, It's like a meme. You are what you eat. And I would say, no, you're, uh, you are what you, uh, you know, you, you absorb and utilize and, uh, and your health is determined even more than that because it's also in what you eliminate because any food that is, remains undigested inside the body now becomes a potential toxin, a toxin or food for toxic, uh, parasites or, or pathogens that are going to compromise your health down the road. Somebody's going to eat it. Is it the good guys or the bad guys? And we're just, you know, we're, we're just mostly bags of, you know, <laughs> meat, and, meat and bacteria, you know, <laughs> water, meat and bacteria. So there's a, these kind of memes, I think, really pervade our thinking. Mm-hmm. And to think of us, well, what is the essential things? And so for protein, uh, if we look at our bodies, uh, we are made up of a lot of amino acids, and a lot of amino acids affect how we think. They affect our muscle mass. They affect our small uh, or striated and smooth muscle tissues, so that's internal organs as well, contractile force. They're used for a lot of things. And metabolically, it's protein is, is, is the most difficult food for your body to metabolize. It's more difficult than fats. It's more difficult than carbohydrates. And yet it's essential building material. So I always look at 
let's look in the real world. And so in the real world, what I love about athletics is that it puts people in extreme conditions that don't, uh, that, that, that is an illness, but you can draw parallels. So if you look at two extremes and let's look at, um, let's say an extreme level of cancer and let's look at an extreme level of athletic performance requiring muscle tissue. We'll look at football running back. There is, I think maybe three running backs in the history of the NFL that have been able to maintain their production beyond the level of 28 years old, which according to Dr. Howell is when your major proteolytic down regulation, the, the, the production of proteolytic enzymes starts to diminish. Now, what's interesting about that is a running back is, takes probably more physical damage and requires more physical power, strength, explosiveness, muscle uh, power, which creates a lot of muscle mass and speed. And he gets hit on every play that he's in. Like, he gets hit hard. <laughs> so it's very hard to recover from that. And as you hit 28, very few of those guys are able to recover anymore. Same thing if you look at an extreme level of someone who is being subjected to um, radiation chemotherapy. Well, what's happening is your body starts to metabolize the protein in it, the muscle tissue, the smooth muscle tissue, in order to um, build enough enzymes to help the body recover and heal from the treatment and from the illness. So now you've compounded that effect and you get this massive muscle wasting that occurs to both people. And oftentimes both athletes will use anabolic steroids because they're protein sparing and or they increase anabolism protein synthesis uh, inside the body through chemicals. And so that's how they, that's why doctors do that. Now, but let's look at the general public when we go to aging. Well, we know that we need to recover from our lives and we know that uh, if we're not able to absorb our proteins, they become toxins. And for most people, it's not about they need to build more muscle. It's they're getting too much, to they're, they're over-intoxicated. I mean, you've developed an amazing course to help people clean out the goop that have built up out of 20, 30 years so they can absorb whatever nutrients they're going to do. And so they can take on these amazing herbs and they can make these amazing products that will transform their lives. you got to clean the sludge out first that have built up basically the undigested proteins that have been lying in the folds feeding bad bacteria that are poisoning our minds, our bodies, our thoughts, and our organs in ways that we can't imagine. So, um, yeah, proteolytic enzymes, I got into it because I wanted to be bigger, faster, stronger. And we found that when we take it, and now science is proving it, that, that if you they took a group of uh, karate guys, which you, you can appreciate, who get a lot of contusions and bruises and damage from their practice, they took these guys and... The normal recovery from a contusion, a bruise, was, was 15 days. They put them on proteolytic enzymes. It was two. Wow. So the answer is right there. The question is how much does, does a person need and for how long and, um, you know, to, to get the desired effects. Mm -hmm. One of the questions that I get sometimes and um, – is <clears throat> a lot of people ask me a lot of times, is there um, an LD50 of, of uh, enzyme, system, systemic enzyme, proteolytic, whatever the case may be? They want to know what is the proper dosage and is there, a, is there a threshold where it can become, quote unquote, dangerous? And my answer to them is, is a resounding no. I've never, ever seen a case in my life where an excess of protein or um, uh, enzymes was ever uh, ever created a negative in the body. But I'm curious what your response to that might be. 
you know, I I was asked that question early on, and I said, I'm, I'm going to test this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I went off and consumed uh, a thousand enzymes a day. A thousand? I, th- I took a thousand enzymes a day. One of the advantages of owning your own enzyme company <laughs> is that you can test it. I mean, this is this is outrageous pricing because I wanted to really test that for myself because I know that if you go back to Linus Pauling and Dr. Hawkins and Dr. Hoffer who developed orthomolecular nutrition where they were treating advanced states of illness, psychiatric diseases and things like that with nutrition. They would have a dosage. So, for example, in vitamin C protocols, they would take vitamin C until the person got the runs. Mm. And then they would dial it back from that because they they knew that the body wasn't able to consume that. So they would go take it. They did dose up and dose up. Okay, maybe they hit 20 grams of vitamin C or 30 grams of vitamin C. Well, then they would downregulate it. They'd go down to 20. And then when the, hurt, when the, when the person hit got the runs again, they would downregulate it to 10. And this was their methodology of supersaturating the body with high dosages. And if there's ever been a disservice ever in the history of nutrition, and that is these uh, government-sponsored and medical models of talking about the uh, RDA, which is basically the minimal amount to avoid disease of nutritional recommendations. There's nobody out there that have determined the optimal levels, except people who are performing extremely high levels of performance. Uh, If you look at the great coaches out there in the world, they are finding out what is the optimal dosage for various nutrients and supplements and herbs and stuff like that to enhance their athletes' performance. And also educators like yourself, uh, Ronnie, who are dealing with people that oftentimes have very significant challenges or people are looking for, you know, uh, extreme levels of, of health optimization, they're, they're out there on the cutting edge, but they don't describe that for other people. So I took it upon myself. I did a thousand uh, enzymes a day uh, for a month and experienced a, well, I've experienced a really nice sense of euphoria uh, during that time. I will say that. But uh, there was no stool. We did stool samples. There was no enzymes present in the stool. So I wasn't crapping it out as a lot of people would say uh-huh. and my body was able to absorb that and, and I did go through some um, pretty extreme healing crisis when I combined that uh, with a fast mm, I was going to ask if you were doing it with food or doing it in a fasting state well I did it both, I, I tested it both I tested it with uh, a raw food diet, I tested it with a cooked food diet and I tested it uh, on a no diet, 10 days on each level wow and uh, I, what I can tell you is um, the 10 days when I went on no food, because if I looked at historically, uh, one of the, the most tried and true formats of uh, health optimization throughout almost all history, you look at all the different cultures of the world, is, is fasting. Mm-hmm. And, of course, in, in religious studies, it's oftentimes fasting for 40 days. And so I was like, okay, well... I, I worked myself up so I could fast for 10 on a, on a water fast. But why that works is that you're not producing enzymes inside the body, and those enzymes now could be there to fix and regenerate the body tissues and clean out toxins and do all sorts of marvelous things that they can't do when they're being overloaded with food. That's one of the benefits of a fast. So I said, well, maybe I could turn a turbo boost the fast if I put in massive amounts of exogenous that's out-of-the-body enzymes into the body. Maybe that would accelerate the results, and it sure did because – uh, when I did that 10-day fast, um, 
I had an extreme pain in my liver. And, but it wasn't a liver, it wasn't something that was debilitating me mentally. I felt this sharp, sharp pain in my liver. And uh, prior to that, I had, uh, as a young man, I went through a period of my life where I abused a lot of drugs and partied my brains out. And uh, I think a lot of these toxins were lodged in my, in my, uh, in, in my liver. And what happened is I kept going back to my colon therapist. I was doing colon therapy at the same time, trying to really clean up the system. He goes, look, there's nothing left in your system. You're totally clean, dude. And I said, well, geez, I still got this pain in my liver. What do we do? And he goes, well, I don't know. You could maybe try drinking a liter of uh, saltwater brine, which is 38% saline. And I said, okay, I'll try that. <laughs> so I did. And... Uh, you know, you got to kind of plug your nose and drink down, down a liter of it. And what happened 30 minutes later is I purged out this, I wish I could have got a sample of it, but I didn't, uh, this, this, this really neon bright, orangey green kind of acidic looking stuff that just went down the drain, didn't stick it with anything like that. It was just gone. And I, the, the liver pain dropped by probably 90 or 95% instantaneously. And I went into a state of euphoria. And uh, so I realized that, wow, I, I just had an extreme healing crisis here. And I do, I do believe it was uh, set in motion by the enzymes. And then the final trigger was the, uh, the, the salt brine, which helped pull that out of the liver. It got the liver ready to, to, to you know, purge that out of my system. Yeah, well, that's amazing. I mean, that's an incredible, incredible kind of uh, explanation on the enzyme conversation and also your own personal experience, which I super value. I love the fact that you are a researcher and experimenter and um, a thousand enzymes a day. That's really like, I'm just, I'm just taking that in like, okay, I, I need to up my dosage a little bit here. Well, you know, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do one caveat on that, and I, I need to do this for the safety of anyone who's going to say, hey, you know what, Ronnie and Wade, we're going to try this kind of crazy <laughs> stuff. And that is uh, one of my roommates heard about my story, and he says, wow, this is this at the time. Uh, he, and he's, by the way, an amazing um, – he's an amazing healer himself. He, he runs uh, microcurrent technology. He's fantastic. And he says, yeah, gee, that sounds like a great idea, Wade. I'm going to do it too. And so – he went and uh, started going to eat a thousand enzymes a day, but for some reason he didn't get the quart. He's supposed to swallow them, and uh, so he just put the enzymes in his mouth. Now, your mouth is not designed enterically to kind of handle all those enzymes in his mouth, and he was holding them in his mouth instead of swallowing them, and all of a sudden his mouth started to bleed, and I. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> and literally, because the enzymes was digesting his face from the inside out. Anyways, so two caveats: don't hold the enzymes in your mouth, and if you have any conditions like uh, gastritis, uh, you know, or something ulcers, uh, don't do that. You need a different kind of enzyme to start off until you get those conditions healed, because now you have an opening, a raw opening, and now those enzymes are just going to break down the meat um, because, you know, your, 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 your stomach and your intestines and all that stuff, they're, they're geared for that sort of stuff. They're designed that way with the membranes. Your mouth isn't, and neither is an ulcer. So don't do it at that. So that's a little safety precaution. Oh, that's an incredible distinction. Um, so let's, let's now pivot into probiotics because that's the other focus of your company and your work 
in digestion is you you help create and educate on a very innovative proteolytic form of probiotics and I'd love to um, talk a little bit I mean probiotics is such a it's such a buzzword now and I feel like there is a lot of um, we'll call it misinformation but misdirection in terms of what kind of probiotics how to take them why to take them I think um, and even what yeah what a good quality probiotic supplement is or should be. I think there's a lot of, there's so much information out there and so much of it is conflicting. So I'd love to open that up now. You know, that's a, yeah, this is, this is a big topic and it's, and I'm delighted now that the world is kind of turning their attention, um, to probiotics. And, um, you know, I think it's exciting. I think we're in the right, we're going in the right direction. And I think we've got a long, long, long way to go before we get to, I would say, the definitive answers to this equation because uh, we're learning so much. And, and I know you do a lot of work in regards to the microbiome and altering your inner terrain for health, and uh, so not to trump any of your work or anything like that. So I'll just try to add to it if I can. Um, probiotics are, you know, Greek for pro-life, just like antibiotics are anti-life. And, and the world today has... A lot of the world that we ha- that we have today have been successful because of the development of antibiotics, which do, you know helped wipe out you know infections and things that would kill people before. But the overprescription of that has set up humanity for a really uh, unexpected consequence. There are somewhere between three and five hundred strains of these bacteria inside your intestinal tract, and there. And I would divide them into three categories: ten percent good, ten percent bad, and eighty percent opportunists. And these various strains perform distinctive functions in the body. Some of those functions are essential to your life, and some of those things are counterproductive to your health and happiness to make it simple and then some of them are just kind of hanging around waiting for the right environment or the right conditions to spring up and and wreak havoc on on you and so this is now becoming public information and there's a lot of people suffering from digestive illnesses and you know gastrointestinal by the way gastrointestinal this is a statistic that blew my mind gastrointestinal disease is now the fifth leading cause of death Wow, didn't know that. Yeah, because they're not what we we look at heart disease, we look at cancer, we look at diabetes, and we call it at that. But if you actually trace it back, it's because they didn't digest their food properly. They actually can be traced to the gastrointestinal area, and it could even be more than that if you get really serious uh, and dive even deeper. So, um, and eighty five percent of the population has unreported digestive issues, and twenty five percent of the population are on prescription medications for digestive issues so it's a huge issue it's like this is this is kind of like the giant white elephant in the room and now if you go to them if you go to whether you go to a pharmacy and look at and i know i'm going off tangent here but i think this is really important to impress upon people how serious this is if you go to a pharmacy you can go to the, the, the digestive aids and you see all the you know the pink liquids and the calcium pad tablets and and all these digestive aids or uh, you know, things to help you go to the bathroom, you know, and it's like, man, there's a lot of that. And then, and then if I go over to Whole Foods, I go to the health store, I go down the aisle and I see all these enzymes, I see all these probiotics, I see all these other digestive aids and things to help you go to the bathroom. And so the two people, uh, the two different fields of, uh, uh, you know, going after health or, or 
feeling happiness or whatever, are actually demonstrating the same thing, that we need these things, but we need, that we need to get our digestion figured out. And probiotics are one of the keys because, you know, the modern world has kind of bombed uh, our intestinal tract with antibiotics, with chemicals, with agents that, uh, you know, genetically modified foods, which alter and make it almost impossible for some of these strains to live inside our body. So the addition of quality probiotics are part of virtually everybody I know in the health world. Anybody that has any level of health is taking probiotics, every one of them. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of conflicting information. Do I need spores? Do I need implant strains? Do I need transient strains? Do I do single cells? So I desert like, you know, uh, one strain at a time? Do I, need, do I take 50 strains at a time? What is it? And those questions, to be frank, I don't think have been answered in a way that I think uh, we, could, we could have common agreements like we would on, say, something like gravity or something. You know, gravity is easy observable. Um, with any nutritional product, so I'm kind of setting the field here before I dive into probiotics. With any nutritional product, you have to realize that results are going to be a bell curve, depending on where the person is and what is their need and level of responsiveness to that product based on the deficiency, their state of well-being, etc. The challenge is uh, all the naysayers are going to be at the wrong end of the bell curve. They had a reaction to it, and all the people that are on the testimonial page are going to be the people at the top end that had the greatest response. So there are no absolutes in anything. However, we do know that everybody I know that's uh, that probably that you know are, are taking probiotics to enhance their digestion and elimination process into a booster immune system. So probiotics do a, a number of functions. Number one, they help fight off foreign invaders. Uh, number two, they are essential in the breaking down and the assimilation of our food. And number three, they are directly responsible for uh, producing and developing particular nutrients. And number four, they are paramount in our mood production and how we produce neurochemicals in the brain. These things are things that we do know uh, and are now becoming more and more forefront as we see so many people suffering from depression or suffering from obesity. And basically, the bugs are running the system. The bad guys have gotten hold of your nervous system, and they're controlling your thoughts. They're controlling your mind. They're controlling your desires. They're controlling your weight. They're controlling your health. And so it makes sense to put good probiotics into your body. So the next question comes, well, wait, Ronnie, what's a good probiotic? <laughs> and uh, what we did is we realized that there's a lot of different strains out there. And, and they're going to work for some people and they're not going to work for others. And you got to kind of self-select and experiment and see what you're going to do. So what we worked on doing is cultivating and develop a probiotic that could be beneficial to everybody without causing problems of, uh, you know, too much growth or upsetting the microbiome. So we cultivated a strain uh, that and put it through a patented process. And that's what separates it from everyone else. In other words, it's a patented probiotic. Well, how do you patent a probiotic? Well, you take a really aggressive strain like L. plantarum and you put it through a specific environment like a Navy SEALs training so that they, this, the bacteria mutates in a way that it performs functions that normal bacteria don't do. Don't do. And what the patent was able to demonstrate when we, when we got the patent results was that it's antiviral, it's antiretroviral, it's protolytic. And it digests tumors. Now, I'm not here to say that it's going to cure cancer. It's going to eat up your tumors or whatever, anything like that. 
Um, I'm not here to make those claims. We can't do that. That's, you know, major, major faux pas. But what we can say is that these guys will break down and consume undigested protein anywhere in the body. They are a transient strain, and that means they go through the whole system and find out undigested proteins. Now, a virus hooks onto your cells by a protein coating. Um, a tumor disguises itself with a protein coating so that your immune system can't function. Uh, a drug where you have a reaction is oftentimes delivered through a protein coating that allows it to enter into the cell. So all of these things now become uh, agents that these transient strains of probiotics that we develop are able to go in, eat up, eliminate, and have them so that they're not compromising your health or your body function. So they are. what's interesting about the P0M, they are supportive probiotic to whatever probiotic formula that you want to use or experiment or try. That's a good point. So it's not an exclusive thing. It's an all-inclusive thing. And I think that's also something that some people may be thinking about because we live in a, in a bipartisan, black and white kind of cognitive dissonance type of culture where it's like either or. And I think people mentally are trained to think like, oh, it's got to be this supplement or this thing or that, this diet or that. And what I just heard you say is that somebody could be taking another really great full-spectrum type of uh, probiotic or something like that, and then this would be this would be inclusive to that. Did I hear you correctly? Yeah, I mean, I'll give you an example. Um, I was at our, our one of our favorite stores in the whole world a few weeks ago, Airwan, yeah. <laughs> and there is this like. I don't know. I don't know. It was like, I don't know how many strains of yogurt one of my friends bought. Like, it was this, this really fresh fermented yogurt. You probably know the brand or something. I don't know what it was. Anyways, we started eating this, uh, three of us, and, and we just ate the whole jar. Like, we were just fighting each other with the spoons. And it was, it, I don't know what the brand was. I forget what the brand was. And I forget what it is. I, I wish I did because I'd tell everybody. I, it was fantastic. It was, the stuff was like 25 or 30 bucks a jar. And we just devoured it. And I wish I had eight, two or three more. Now, there was probably some probiotic strains inside that that were very helpful to my body. Um, did it did it stop me that night from taking my P3M before bed? No. In fact, that's what I do all the time. I take my uh, my P3M, my probiotic formulation. I take it at nighttime when I go to sleep before I go to bed because I know it's going to go through my whole system and clean out any pathogens that I might have uh, taken in, you know, either uh, unconsciously, consciously, or accidentally. <laughs> this um, what I what I just thought to ask you now. When you do your enzymes, I imagine you're not doing a thousand enzymes as a regular thing anymore. So what what is your typical routine um, through, like, what does that look like in a, a normal day, like enzymes and, and probiotics? Yeah, great question. So basically, I range from two to five of my masszymes before, that's mass enzymes for the masses, um, two, two to five enzymes before I consume any meal. If it's a big meal, it'll be five. If it's a little one, it'll be two. And uh, and then I'll oftentimes take them before a workout. I'll take like five before on an empty stomach. I find it just improves my energy production and uh, my focus. And then anytime that I feel like sometimes you know how you eat something and you go, uh, I don't know, something wasn't right on that. It didn't quite feel right. Yeah. You know, you're 30, 40 minutes later, you feel kind of groggy or tired. You know that, uh-oh, I probably ingested a pathogen of some sort. By, uh, I'll, I'll pound, a, a, 
you know, four or five right away. And that'll usually correct that within a few minutes. And, uh, and then if, and if, and I, this hasn't happened to me directly, but it has happened to a number of my friends who have had uh, food poisoning, like extreme levels of food poisoning. We're on the, whole, the floor. We're going to give them, you know, we're going to call the ambulance. Um, I'll give them uh, literally a handful of enzymes and a handful of these probiotics. And, and without a doubt, within 15 to 30 minutes, they're walking away from it like nothing happened. Wow. In shock, in shock. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So average on the average day, to, to summarize, I take between um, 15 and 25 enzymes a day. And if it is a, a really heavy day, I'd be as much as 30. But... Cool. Yeah, I think that would be helpful for people that are listening that are getting really excited about this, but they all they heard was take a thousand enzymes. So now, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was a test just to see if there was going to be any negative consequences of overdosing, and I don't suggest or recommend that to anybody. Yeah, that was a um, personal experiment. It's a yes, an obtuse experiment to prove a point and point was proven and you don't need to go out and do that yeah i've done i've done a lot of self-experiments that i would not recommend for multitude of reasons Um, (laughs) but yeah okay well this has been amazing this has been incredibly enlightening um i know that for the audience this is going to really open up their mind um, on these subjects in a probably a brand new way than they may be used to hearing one thing i did want to make sure that i mentioned um in this recording was you, uh, about two years ago, something like that, you were featured on The Truth About Cancer with Ty Bollinger. Correct. I just, I, just, I just popped that, like right before we got onto this, I just reminded myself about that, and I wanted to watch it again, but um, obviously didn't have time. But that was an incredible interview. I'd like to just kind of like maybe have you summarize, like what was that conversation really about because, um, you know, there could be people that are listening to this that either are dealing with a particular cancer situation or know somebody. I mean, we all know somebody that has or does um, have cancer. So I know they can't make any claims, but I just want to kind of get a a summary of like, what was that conversation really focused on? Great question. Uh, and Ty's doing great work in the world and I think he's a wonderful guy and I, I love his message. And, uh, I think for anyone that's, you know, dealing with cancer or having, or know someone with cancer, I think his work is, is something they definitely want to plow into and investigate is very, very great. And I was grateful to appear on the show, uh, you know, cancer touched my life deeply. And, uh, the conversation was a couple of things. Uh, number one, Anybody that's dealing with any kind of extreme illness, and I want to qualify it again, like you said, we're not trying to say that you can heal, cure, we're not here to diagnose, we're not here to comment, but uh, we know that cancer touches everybody's lives. And people have to recognize that if you have a condition like that, whether you, whether you choose a, a holistic alternative route, whether you choose a, the medical model route, or whether you choose some hybrid of that, um, or you choose to do nothing at all, you really have four choices. Um, if you get a diagnosis of cancer and assuming that you survive or assuming that you want to survive at the end of the day, you have to, uh, let's, let's get to survival. However you survive, you have to recognize that the conditions in my life is what contributed to this. I'm responsible for this and how I've lived my life up to this point has acted 
activated the the potential for cancer to grow inside my body. And if I overcome it, I have to look at I need to adjust my lifestyle. And hopefully you'll get a, a, a professional in the areas that can help guide you to a healthy, more holistic lifestyle. Someone like yourself, Ronnie, that they'll actually learn the principles of what how to be super healthy really entail. And, and I say, so when you, if you look at that, well, what are the things that we know that cause problems in the body? Well, we know that undigested proteins are a problem. We know that uh, not enough good bacteria inside or probiotics inside the body can be a problem. We know that uh, too much toxicity can be a problem that can alter genetic function or mutation or things like that. So if we start applying the principles of lifestyle around that, then using uh, enzymes and probiotics could be helpful in achieving our health, regardless if we have cancer or whether we don't have cancer or some other disease. And I was fortunate enough to my mentor, Dr. O'Brien, um, what turned me on to his whole story was I, he had been friends with another one of the legends of health, Bernard Jensen, who brought back iridology, who uh, was kind of like the man who was like, he was Mr. Digestion and Intestinal Tract stuff and, you know, used all these different products. He had a beautiful place in Escondido, California, where he ran his holistic health uh, clinic not far from where you are, Ronnie. And, you know, he wrote 60-some books on health. And at 85 years old, he had kind of stopped practicing what he knew. And at 85 years old, he was lecturing and traveling the world, which happens. He contracted cancer. He contracted um, prostate cancer. And so four on a prostate cancer is bad. He ended up with 1,600. Uh, he ended up metastasizing to the bones. Um, he got down to 78 pounds, hadn't had a bowel movement in 17 days. And most people didn't know this about Bernard Jensen, and nobody wanted to know about it because he was such a health legend. Every, nobody is immune to adversity in health. I want to be clear about that. Not you, not me, not anyone. And so... They called in Dr. O'Brien. His wife called Dr. O'Brien. Nobody would go treat Bernard Jensen because nobody wanted to be the doctor to sign his death warrant. It was over for him. If you look at his pictures, and this is all documented in Bernard Jensen's book, Come Alive. And you can go out and get that book. It's an amazing book. You'll see the pictures of when he was at his lowest, and you'll see the pictures when he made his recovery. And the guy that was paramount in his recovery was Dr. Michael O'Brien, who was my mentor. And Dr. O'Brien literally gave Bernard Jensen 500 enzymes a day and 200 probiotics a day, the, right? The same, the same patented strain that I use today to this day. And eight weeks and one day later, Bernard Jensen made a full recovery. He went from 78 pounds to, I think, 114 and was walking on his farm in Escondido, California, with a, with a cancer-free diagnosis. When I saw that, now keep in mind, I saw that in 2003 when I had just went through my complete, actually it was early 2004, when I went through my complete blow from the Mr. Universe contest. And I said, if you can build up the muscle tissue and strength and health and vitality of a guy who is dying of cancer at 85 years old and at 78 pounds and bring him to 114 pounds, well, maybe this tissue will help me rebuild myself and help me become a better athlete and build the muscle tissue that I want and help me regenerate health, vitality, and life. And you know what? It worked for me. And like extreme athleticism, I think we can learn a lot from um, 
you know, high levels of performance to dealing with illness. And so doesn't it make sense that if you want to get healthier, that you would do more healthful things? And if you wanted to speed up the, the response of anything, we know that enzymes speed up the response uh, or chemical activity of the body. And we know that these probiotics that I'm talking about go off and, and they, they, they break down undigested protein has been proven in the, in, in the patent, wherever it is in the body. So, you know, that's the, that's the case. And I'm not saying it's going to diagnose anybody, and I can't say that, but, you know, we were featured on that, um, on that particular function for Ty and, and, and a great job, and, and there was a lot of people who went off and, and did some of those extreme protocols and experienced a lot of positive results. And I, I just want to qualify that. I, I'm not saying it was from that. I'm just saying that was the opportunity and that was the experience. I'm sure there were people out there that didn't have the re- results or we can't attribute a cause to a single thing. But if you're out there uh, looking to be healthier, looking to have a more vibrant life, I do think enzymes and probiotics are an essential component, and particularly protolytic ones. Yeah, that's amazing. I love how you you shared that story about Bernard Jensen's life and um, and really wrapped that answer up in a story, which I think can be can be receivable by everybody. And everyone's been touched in some way or shape or form by this topic, um, whether directly or indirectly. So I really appreciate that. And this has been just an incredible conversation. I'm just like I'm almost uh, it's it's right at the hour mark it's like wow time just like flew by but we dove in we dove deep into some really really important territories so now um i'd like to just um you know uh help everybody find out where they can find more about you i know that you have an awesome health um educational program that people can take advantage of right now yeah, so um, you can reach me at the uh, awesomehealthcourse.com slash Ronnie, and I'm sure you'll put that in the notes because uh, you and I are both, uh, you know, lifelong advocates of a, of a healthy lifestyle. And what I would say about the awesome course, I think it's a good starting point for people to start learning online of what's the possibility. And I think it gets people started doing the right things. It's an 80, 12-week course where they get information about and, and little videos about what they can do to improve their health. And some of the things that I've done uh, to to with my clients, I've coached over 15,000 clients around the world over the last 15 years, and I'm really delighted about that and we hope to have more. And uh, it's I think it's a, pre, a good starting point and a precursor to maybe something that you offer, which is really mastery, and, uh, and you're a master at mastery and i think you you do that really well ronnie so it's really delight to be here and to share that and of course um as far as the products and stuff like that the the show notes will have that in here as well so yeah we'll have a special link um in the show notes for the the bio optimizers probiotics and enzyme products which i've been using for years um religiously and i've 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 endorsed and shared it with with so many people in my my influence with with outstanding results by the way so definitely happy to share that with everyone that the, that information will be in the show notes um and then just on a final note wade like is there any um particular insight that you would like to leave our audience from this great conversation well thanks um ronnie i think the biggest insight is um and you and I are both with us. If you if you got one caveat uh, out of the story or one theme, and I'm sure they've gotten this from you know listening to you for so many years, and I, is mentorship. 
Um, anytime that you want to achieve results in anything, you know, with time being of the essence, you know, as I, I'm here in my mid forties now and I see the fleetingness of time in our lives and how quickly they go by, you can't afford not to have a mentor, somebody who's living, eating and breathing and has developed a high level of awareness in any given field. And if you're listening to this as a health uh, enthusiast, um, it's one thing to listen to things. Um, and you have to realize that in the conversation that you and I have uh, in, in the public domain or what any expert would be talking about in the public idea, there's a lot of generalizations. And we do that because you can't account for everybody on the bell curve. But you will never achieve mastery without mentorship mm. and i think that you're doing such a great service to the world because you provide really great mentorship and you're a student of great masters and you pass that knowledge on to so many people so if you're listening to this um i think it's really important for you to go and say hey you know what it's time I stop kicking the curb. It's time I start taking the, the, the shiny object syndrome. It's time I stop doing the, the Me Too products. And instead of investing all my time in that, I need to involve, invest my time in a mentor that is going to be able to dive deep with me and take me to the and help me develop the practices, the principles, the specifics that are going to allow me to optimize my health or your health, whoever is listening to this, in a way that is, is directly related to my life. And that's where I think you're a master, Ronnie. And, and if I help out a little bit today, I'm really happy to pass that on. And I'm very appreciative that, you know, you've been a big advocate of our products and our, and our message for so many years. And uh, it's just always a delight to be in your presence and hanging around with you, brother, and, and seeing you, you know, out there working it being vulnerable, shedding light, and uh, just just great to be here. Wow, wow. Thank you so much for that. And you are one of those mentors and masters in my life, so I want to also acknowledge you for that and the, the leadership and the mentorship that you've given me, both as a friend and as a colleague, and doing the incredible work that you've been doing over all these years, and you're just going strong. So I just want to thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your wisdom, sharing your knowledge, and breaking it down in such a, an eloquent yet very receivable and well-understandable way. I really, really honor and appreciate you. Thanks so much, Ronnie. It's, uh, I can't wait till we get to spend a little bit more time again and geek out on some more, uh, some more forehead health stuff. Yeah, maybe we'll meet up for a $200 smoothie sometime. Well, I got to say, you know, when I was in Irwan, ever since I've been hanging out with you in Irwan, I've been just really diving into, after I saw your talk on, uh, you know, herbs, which is, which is part of the awesome health formula, the one I'm probably the least educated in and the one I think that you're really great on. Uh, I, I've been using a lot of different Chinese herbs and things and, uh, you know, those those giant crazy ice creams that they have with all the herbs you can pound that, that they make down a lot of those things. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all your fault, man. The reason I spent the last time I bought two $29 herbal holistic health <laughs> infused, I don't know, ice cream kind of formulations at Irwan, uh, I'm, I'm attributing that all to you, buddy. I take, I take total ownership <laughs> for that. And you're, you're a wealthy backpacker, so it's, 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 it's a healthy addiction. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be just something worse if I didn't do that. So it, to me, it's a good bargain. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, this has been so much fun. Um, thank you so much for coming on and for everyone out there. Really, um, if you're still listening to this, as I often say, by the conclusion of any interview, because I know the attention spans out there and there's so many different voices in the podcast world that you can be listening to. But if you're still tuning in, I want to honor and acknowledge you. And also that tells me that you really, really loved this conversation. So make sure that you check out the links in the show notes. Take full advantage of this, not just this information, listen to it over and over, but go a step further, as Wade was saying, don't be a generalist, but also get get into the, the details of what is most important for you and your health. And I think there's an incredible treasure trove in the resources that Wade is uh, basically giving to us, um, almost for free in some cases. So definitely take advantage of that. And um, yeah, I can't wait to get you back on the show. Congratulations on uh, 122 podcasts. That's an incredible achievement. It's a lot of work and a lot of discipline. Thank you. Yeah, and we're going strong, and we're just going to keep on going because this message needs to get out to the world. I hope you enjoyed this fascinating episode of the Holistic Health and Human Potential show. Before you head off, I want to invite you to go to my website for further podcast episodes and tons of free content on holistic health, natural nutrition, and human potential. Please go to www.ronnylandis.net to find out how to take your health and your life to the next level. And also, I want to encourage you to leave a five-star review for this podcast on our iTunes page, which will help me in my mission to get these inspiring messages to millions of people throughout the world. I thank you so much for your support, and I look forward to continuing to provide amazing conversations and content on holistic health and human potential.